welcome to Masters of Divinity. I'm your moderator, JP, and and I'm, I'm recording with my friend Matt. Matt, how are you doing, buddy? Five by five. <laughs> uh, you'll notice that Chuck is not with us this week uh, because uh, uh, he's in Disney World uh, for for a change. <laughs> he took he took my spot. My my annual passes ran out, and Father yeah. Chuck went and got his. So now he's the one in Disney all the time. So it's just going to be me and Matt for this week's episode. And uh, this week it's is a very special episode. We are celebrating the twentieth anniversary of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And uh, what better way to do that than to talk a lot about Buffy. This is the episode that Matt and I have been waiting to do since uh, probably before we started the podcast. And uh, you'll probably notice uh, crickets. But I, in, in, in the spirit of Buffy, I have decided to, to venture out into the darkness and record from live out in the wild with my 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 kind of like seance candles going around here that that give me like the that fun dark lighting that poor jps to try and see me on skype right now yeah you're looking but, very uh, season one right yeah, now i'm 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 on patrol i'm watching out for the vampires and the other things that go bump in the night i'm sure you'll you'll kick the crap out of it right you'll beat it up we'll yeah. see or maybe you'll be you'll be saved by a, a blonde so it's the 20th anniversary well it not not technically last week was the 20th anniversary and if you've been listening to the podcast since we've started, you probably know by now that Matt and I are pretty big Buffy fans. And, and Chuck appreciates Buffy as well, but I don't think he knows it as, as much as we do. I don't think he's watched every single episode more than once. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> um, hasn't gone from season one all the way to the end twice. No, yeah. I don't, I don't, so. In fact, he's getting. Uh, I'm, I'm noticing he's getting a little, a little tired of us referencing Buffy. Uh, which is not something I'm used to. Like, how, how do you get tired of Buffy in, in any capacity? Okay, I don't, I don't get it. Um, so 20 years ago, Buffy premiered the first season. And if you're not familiar with Buffy, let's uh, let's start from the beginning. Let's let's kind of set the stage a little bit. Buffy was created by a uh, television writer named Joss Whedon, and his initial idea was for a TV show called Rhonda the Immortal Waitress. Um, I don't really know much about this idea. I don't think there's been much release, but uh, what, he, what he has said about that sort of concept was that the idea was to be of, of a woman who seems to be completely insignificant, who turns out to be extraordinary. And that's sort of the crux of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She's a little blonde girl who also uh, happens to kill vampires and has superpowers and is really awesome and saves the world often. This early unproduced idea evolved into Buffy, which Whedon devel developed to invert the Hollywood formula of the little blonde girl who goes into a dark alley and gets killed in every horror movie. Uh, Whedon wanted to subvert that idea and create someone who was a hero. Uh, the very first mission statement of the show was the joy of female power, having it, using it, and sharing it. Uh, the idea was first visited through Whedon's script for the 1992 movie Buffy the Vampire Slayer which featured uh, Christy Swanson in the title role. Uh, the director, Fran Rebel Kazooie, I think that's how you pronounce it. I never looked it up. Uh, she saw it as a pop culture comedy about what people think about vampires. Uh, and that uh, was not something that sat well with Joss Whedon. He disagreed. Uh, he said that I had written this scary film about an empowered woman, and they turned it into a broad comedy, and it was crushing. 
the script that he wrote was praised within the industry, but the movie was not. Matt, how did you feel about the movie? To be honest with you, I have a soft spot for it, and I did the first time I saw it. Yeah. Um, I actually hate to admit I enjoyed it, but it is not a good movie, and I was aware of that watching it the first time. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of liked it in this weird, campy, cheesy sort of way. Kind of like the you know like the '60s Batman, if you will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I kind of liked it in that sense, but compared to the TV show, it's it's just not even worth talking about. Like yeah. like, but no, but I, I still have like a soft spot for it. The, yeah, it, with, it's with it's, Pike and Buffy, and yeah, it's good. Right, like it's it's like what he said. It's broad. It's a broad comedy, and if you can appreciate uh, like if you can appreciate as a broad crap. Hold on, sorry tipping stuff over you can appreciate jp knocking his mic off the desk while he's talking to you <laughs> and you're the one out there with vampires and i'm like slapping around your microphone yeah. pulling a xander on me over there. <laughs> <Shut> up. um <laughs> if you can appreciate like if you can appreciate it as a broad comedy you might like it a little it's it's kind of funny um it's very campy I, i've actually read joss whedon's script and it's really good and there's a lot of action in it, and it works really well as like a horror action comedy. Um, it, but it's, it's really like, stripped down. They replace all the horror elements with with like jokes. Is it? Is it? Isn't it like one of David Arquette's first movies? Yeah, I want to say it's like his first movie. Yeah, and he he's hilarious in it. I will. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. come on. And it has a very very famous completely uncredited walks by for half a second basketball player in it oh that's right that i keep forgetting high school basketball player ben, ben affleck. affleck ben yeah, affleck, ben affleck. he he just drops a basketball and walks away and that's his big <laughs> big role yeah um, yeah 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 no see i have a soft spot for that movie i love it i love it <laughs> kiwi herman's in it isn't he kiwi herman is in it he plays the, kiwi herman's like, in it he plays the the, the vampire henchman I, I forgot his name you know i saw the movie before i before i before the show came out, I saw it when I was a kid because I thought it looked funny. And, you know, Peter Herman was in it. And uh, uh, Rudger Hauer is in it. He plays the, the main vampire baddie. He's like a great character actor. Um, and also, oh, and also uh, 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 Hilary Swank is in it. Yeah, uh, yeah, Hilary Swank. See? See this movie. <laughs> this movie. And the first time I saw it, I, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. It was It was good. But then the show came out, which we're gonna get to. Yeah, yeah. And um, and yeah, that's it's just not even. But but this movie, watch it, watch it. But realize it's horrible. <laughs> yeah. Realize it's horrible, and then go watch it. Right, and of course, and of course, Donald Sutherland, who's I guess kind of like getting Alec Guinness for Star Wars. I think that's what they thought that they were doing. So the movie, it didn't do well. You know, it it wasn't what Joss Whedon had imagined, and uh, the movie. Uh, not very successful and just kind of disappeared into obscurity. Uh, but several years later, a Fox executive named Gail uh, Berman approached Whedon to develop his Buffy concept into a television series. Uh, Whedon explained that they said, do you want to do a show? And I thought high school as a horror movie. And so the metaphor became the central concept behind Buffy and that's how he sold it. Uh, the supernatural elements in the series stood as metaphors for personal anxieties associated with adolescence and young adulthood. Uh, and, and so the rest is history. And then uh, he, he sort of, he reintroduced Buffy into the world, which is about a young teenage girl in Southern California. At the time, the uh, Valley Girl trope was, was kind of a thing. <laughs> 
uh, and that's basically what she was. Uh, but she was also a vampire slayer, and a vampire slayer is, is, is a girl who, in every generation, is chosen by the powers that be uh, to fight vampires and demons, and they're bestowed upon uh, uh, powers, strength, skills, speed, all that stuff. And uh, she has a watcher who trains her and guides her and is British. And she has to balance, you know, her high school life with fighting demons and vampires. And it, to me, kind of reminiscent of Spider-Man. Yes, yes, yes. A little bit. Yeah, so that's how Buffy came to be, and that's what Buffy is about. Um, Matt, I've got some good questions for you. So the original prologue, the opening of the movie for the title, for the cold open, was uh, there was a little speech that went, in every generation... There is a chosen one. She alone was standing against the vampires and demons and forces of darkness. She is a slayer. Matt, question for you. Shoot. What did you love the most about Buffy the Vampire Slayer? You know, we've talked a lot about why it's important and why everybody else likes it and why it works so well. But why do you, Matt Wells, or I should say, what do you, Matt Wells, love the most about Buffy? It's going to sound like somewhat of a cheesy answer at first. Okay. Because it's so cliche to say the whole like underdog story. The underdog but, story? Yeah. You think but that applies to Buffy? In a sense, that's what I'm going with, though. Um, but in a way, Buffy to me is a show about showing that nobody, there really isn't an underdog because everybody is is like uh important but thinks that they aren't everybody is is meaningful but feels that they're worthless right like it's a show about the fact that everybody thinks that they're the underdog which is kind of being a teenager right but finds out that everybody has a purpose and is important Mm -hmm. um and that a lot of times that purpose and importance is discovered through relationship. And it's to me, it was just, it's just powerful messages in the show. Like the show is so cheesy sounding, but if you watch it, it's so good. So good. Yeah. They, they did always like, you know, the show could go, the nature of the show, like you could go either way. You could either be like an after school special and preachy, or you can be like just super edgy teenagers killing monsters. And it's like there's a middle ground that they always had to like kind of stay on and make sure they mm-hmm. don't veer off to each side because you could totally become one of those, you know. Yeah, but they t- but they like embraced both sides. Right. And that's what made the show so great. <laughs> like <laughs> like they would in one scene it would be so over the top cheesy after school special speech immediately interrupted by vampire slaying action to a genius one-liner that ties the get the two together in a way that's profoundly incredible that's like, that you just that that that's perfect Matt. that is so perfect yeah. like I, i'm so glad you remember the one-liner part but because if you don't add in like that kind of humor and that kind of levity to this sort of thing like it just it's just teenagers it's just teenagers doing stuff mm-hmm. because I remember in um, <clears throat> in the first season, uh, I, I and yes, I, I did watch um, many of the first season DVDs with the commentary by Joss Whedon. Uh, <laughs> there's a commentary in one of the episodes with Joss Whedon where there's a part where the the master, who's sort of the the big bad villain of the first season, 
there's a part where there's an earthquake going on around him and he's kind of like, it's sort of like a, a, a sign that he's, uh, I don't know, like into the world kind of stuff. And there's an earthquake going around him and he's like, just kind of like laughing maniacally, kind of being like a, like a really cheesy supervillain type, you know? And as you know, the master is a vampire who has like a really ugly face. So they had to have prosthetics for him. And so he's like, he's like reciting Bible verses and he's laughing maniacally. And there's this earthquake going and the earthquake stops. And he looks around at everybody. He becomes silent. And he goes, what do you think? 5.5 or. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I watched that part with. <laughs> so I, I, I watched you, that. Yeah. You have Kool-Aid mouth. Yeah. You, you have fruit punch mouth. Fruit punch mouth. Fruit punch mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That's another one of those parts. <laughs> uh just i watched a commentary of that part and joss Whedon said he's like the reason why we do stuff like that is because if you don't then it's just a guy in a mask like there's something kind of humanizing about it you know kind of brings you back down make, sort of makes it more real if that right. makes sense and like the, the part you just said like that's a part and, and the master is like about to kill buffy and he says did you think you could beat me here blah 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 and she's like you have free punch mouth he's like what what so no that's 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 perfect man and and plus the whole underdog underdog aspect i like um i think it's interesting because you know the whole point of buffy is to empower young people um you know women especially but you know joss means let's talk about everybody i think what i love the most about buffy the vampire slayer and it's it may not be exclusive to Buffy, um, but I just really loved like friends working together. And again, it's gonna it's it like like you said like it's our answers are probably gonna sound really cheesy, but I like the ideas of like friends who care about each other from like all walks of life, who are able to come together for like one specific goal. And, you know, you got that with stuff like Power Rangers. And you had that with, like, X-Men. You know, these are all things that I grew up with that really resonated with me. And when I got to college, I got really involved with, you know, overseas missions and stuff and volunteer work. And I think kind of doing that was always kind of reminiscent of what I loved about these shows, especially about the Vampire Slayer. That someone like, like, you know, someone like Xander could be an important part of a group trying to accomplish something you know especially saving the world from demons yeah and i do feel like xander's character is actually the one they use the most to drive that lesson home yeah like he literally throughout the series throughout all the seasons there's always a time where it goes back to him struggling the most with the fact that he he feels like he has nothing to contribute to this group Right. And he always turns out to be one of the most important aspects of holding them together. Kind right. Of thing. I mean, you go through the roster, you have the main character, Buffy. She's a vampire slayer. She has super vampire strength, slayer. super speed, super healing, all this cool stuff that comes from being a vampire slayer. She's a chosen one. Then She's like have... Deadpool. <laughs> yeah. Not quite, but close. <laughs> uh, and then you have like Willow, who's a super powerful witch. And then you have. Uh, and the greatest character in TV history. And then you have uh, Oz who was a werewolf and he had his werewolf powers and he was also a rock star. The um, coolest character in TV <laughs> history. Yeah. And then you had, 
I mean, I'm just kind of going through all these characters who are part of what they were called, who what were called the Scooby Gang, and Buffy, like Anya, Demon, ex Demon who has like cool demon knowledge, and you have Giles who's the Watcher, and all these, and of course Angel, who's a vampire with a soul, and then Xander, who doesn't have any. Who's a nerd? He's just a nerd. <laughs> he was a geek before it was cool. But he got to date Cordelia, so that's kind of cool. The cheerleader. Yeah, he got the, he had that going for him. So I mean, and, and it was always there were always times where he was like, ah, uh, you, you know, uh, what am I, what am I doing here? <laughs> and and they always had to kind of remind him, and also the critters of themselves, like we're all in this together, we're all important, we're all needed. And um, that always yeah, really I, affected me growing up, and I always and, wanted to be a part of something like that. And I, and I feel like I feel like we had a Scooby gang, Matt, in high school. We did somewhat, yes. Yeah, and that always appealed to me. What were you going to say? Um, I was going to say that one of the one of my favorite episodes that showed that because it was the whole point to the uh, the season mm-hmm. building up to the episode. It's one of the worst villains in the show, in my op- opinion. Yeah. But one of my favorite moments was when they're fighting Adam. Right. And they literally have to. Oh, yeah. yeah. Join together like they use this 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 spell to unite all of them and Buffy fights him as basically all of them kind yeah, of a thing making her like super powerful mm-hmm. yeah what was it like that they, they, they were like certain aspects right what was it called I think it was like the essence of the first layer or whatever and like Buffy was the hand yeah Willow, Willow was the was she the spirit yeah, something like that, and I will say it kind of very closely ties into the idea of, like, Body of Christ. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. You think so? It's very, very interesting that they all had a had an aspect that they played to create one, basically one body that was fighting yeah. the, the villain. Yeah, it was, uh, Buffy was the hand, Giles was the head, was, was the head or the mind, Willow was the spirit, and Xander was the heart. I think is how it went. And, you know, these are all sort of character-defining, you know, things about them. Right. And if you watch the show up until that point, these were the characters who have been there since season one together. Yeah. And it had been building since season one to this point where this happens. Right. And it was that group that had to band together to do this. Yeah. Um, another question for you, Matt, if you want to move on. Um, what is so great about... Buffy the character about her first of all Sarah Michelle Gellar believe it or not incredible (laughs) yeah Um, after season one (laughs) Um, (laughs) she's so she's so bad in season one it's so bad JP you know what this was like her first I think it was like her first acting gig since like soap operas Acting in yeah. soap opera, so she's still kind of in soap opera mode by the time season one comes around. So, yeah, she um, basically season one consists of mostly what um, Joey from Friends refers to as "smell the fart" acting. <laughs> um, but then, but she really does grow into that role. Right. Um, literally, like you watch these actors and actresses grow up as these characters and Sarah Michelle Gellar is one that I think really becomes Buffy 
and I know that happens a lot with actors. You know, you see him and you think, oh, like like Hugh Jackman. You see him now, you're like, oh, it's Wolverine. But oh, no, right, but yeah. but Sarah Michelle Gellar and Buffy were like, it's it's hard to explain how much they became the same thing. She'll always like, be Buffy. Yeah, like her mannerisms and stuff. She she really developed the character mm-hmm. as she was growing up. So that character's mannerisms and actions became her natural responses in real life, if that makes sense. Right. To where it almost is like the acting and the actress blurred together. Um, it's just, it's it's hard to explain, but you, you had to see it because it started off so bad. I'll admit it. If you're <laughs> if you've never watched Buffy before, um, JP and I kind of have a difference of opinion. I think you need to sit down and watch every single episode of season one. Um, you will hate it. Yeah. You will want to give up, but it is worth it in the end. Watch it. I promise it's it, worth it when you get to season two and start going. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like eating your vegetables first and then. Yeah. Yeah. They're good for you and they make <laughs> you appreciate the best part of the meal later. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, the character is. It's just oh, Joss when it, when he wrote this, it's it's amazing. Like, right. it's it's this character who is a great, an unbelievably great view into teenagers mm-hmm. and what it's like to feel like you don't belong anywhere. Right. And even when you have the whole world, you have the the parent that loves you, the friends that'll do anything for you. Right. You still feel alone. Even a girl who should probably. Outcast. Who should probably be, be like the most popular girl girl on school. Yeah, feels alone and outcast and like nobody cares. Yeah. Um, but then overcome, excuse me. But then overcoming that and realizing that the whole time, being yourself is the way, is the way to live. And like that's how you you truly accomplish things in the world is just to be yourself and get to know yourself better. Mm-hmm. And that to me is what the character of Buffy is from beginning to end. The essence of the show is her, is her self-awareness. Yeah. It's her getting to understand herself more and realizing that she doesn't need anything to be complete, but that these friends and stuff make her even more in a way. Like, she's complete without them, but because of them, she's so much more, she, if that makes yeah. any sense. It does. Uh, she kind of recognizes that. Um, even though she's a slayer and it's like the most important thing in the world, her job is the most important thing in the world. She also recognizes that like she needs her humanity. Right. And, you know, her friends and her mother and um, her, the people around her is what, what keeps her humanity. Yeah. And it, and it really does. If, if you've never watched the show, it sounds like, you guys are way too into this geeky. But if you watch the show, if you watch the show from beginning to end, the depth of the story and writing, it's 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 literally unbelievable until you see it yourself. Right. Because for me to try and tell you a show about a girl who kills vampires and demons with her friends has any sort of depth to it sounds stupid. <laughs> but when you watch it and you really get into it from beginning to end, pay attention it's an unbelievably deep show, which is all due to the guy who created it, who I yeah. think we have a little more we have a little more today if you start listing off the stuff he's done since then. I think people will will have more likelihood to give him a chance than back in the day when you're like, Hey, you should watch Buffy. Um Right. 
because they kind of see it in his other stuff. You know what I mean? Right. Joss Whedon. Of course, we're talking about Joss Whedon, who also created. Uh, he's sort of become really, really known for Firefly more than Buffy, which kind of bums me out, to be honest. Yeah, I but I Buffy, mean, that that's also an incredible show, but I think yeah. Buffy surpassed it by far. Yeah. If you if you watch the complete thing. Right. Um, and also directed the two Avengers movies. And that's which I think is where people would really begin to understand how this guy can take. Think of think of the first Avengers movie. Yeah. And the depth that's inside that story about people running around in superhero costumes fighting supervillains. Right. Um, but how deep it gets and how far into relationship that movie goes. Right. The whole movie is about like they have to come together. Right. And that's Buffy. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think what I what I think is so great about Buffy, I, I feel like a lot of people. Joss Whedon, I hear Joss Whedon talk about it a lot, and I feel like a lot of people don't really touch on it so much, um, which is the sort of struggle she has with with her humanity. Um, he he talks about the, the the kind of the running theme from season one all the way to season seven is that like she is kind of losing herself in this job that she has. You know, her strength is causing her to become like distant and distant and distant and less of a human because what she has, her power, like it's actually not like a natural thing. It's like it's actually like kind of demonic. Mm-hmm. Um, there's and, a darkness to it yeah because it i mean we want we won't we don't have to get into like the lore of buffy right now you can no. look this stuff online but her power is sort of a is sort of a dark power that was kind of like afflicted on her she didn't really choose it you know being a slayer is an affliction um right. even though it's an important job um but it i think what's what makes it so great is that even though that she's losing her humanity like She's trying really hard to stay human and is trying to find that balance. Um, and I think, I think part of it is that, like, she is so non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. Like, she's always very accepting toward characters. She doesn't, like, judge anybody. Unless they're evil. <laughs> yeah, unless they're her college roommate. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... But yeah, and that that struggle surfaces. I don't. I'm I'm horrible at remembering seasons and episodes. Um, but I can help the you Dracula, the Dracula episode. Uh, episode one, uh, season five, episode one. Yes. Season five. So it takes place after the one we just talked about. Yeah. Where she fights Adam and they summon the first Slayer, um, and then the Dracula episode, which is a hilarious episode, by the way. Yeah. Um, but in that one is when she begins to understand, cause Dracula mentions that she has a tie to the darkness. Right. And she begins to understand that, um, there's an aspect of what gives her her strength that comes from what she's fighting basically. Right. Um, and it's the opening of the episode is her trying to go to sleep and she can't. So she goes out and starts fighting vampires and then comes back like happy and falls asleep with a smile on her face right. because she was out hunting. Yeah. Like they, it's the first time Giles at one point said like you were patrolling last night. And she's like, I was hunting last right. night. Um, she starts losing herself in it. But I think that even that shows this interesting view into like the paradox. I'm going to say this from somebody like me, not to tie myself into Buffy the vampire slayer, <laughs> but somebody like myself, who's in the police Academy who is looking to, to, to become a law enforcement officer who 
will have to go out into the world and, in a sense, you defend people. Right. You stand up for people who need it. And sometimes, although we try everything in our power not to, sometimes that means that you have to, you know, put somebody on the ground and handcuff them. Um, and there's a part of you that has to live with this paradox of how, like, violence, people out there committing violent acts that you, there's no, like we've talked about on the show before, the idea of redemptive violence to me doesn't make sense. Like you can't, you can't stop violence with violence, but there is this paradox of how that isn't true in the sense that that doesn't mean you don't go out and handcuff the person that needs to be handcuffed or, or stand up and fight against the person who's hurting the other people. You know what I mean? Right. And I think Buffy dives into that with that struggle that she has, realizing that she she fights these things that are hurting people, but that she's doing it from this point of view of protecting and saving. Right. But how she she deals with this paradox of how like fighting for her is different than fighting for them. Mm-hmm. Like their fighting is rooted in darkness. Her fighting is standing up for for people who need help. Um, but she has, <coughs> excuse me, but she has to deal with that and figure it out. And the show shows that in like a, a very deep way, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And she, she's really, she kind of learns to be very kind of, even though she's not necessarily judgmental and is very accepting toward people. And, um, she kind of learns to be sort of uncompromising as a slayer. Right. Right. She also, it shows a very interesting, I'm going to take this for Masters of Divinity purpose. Okay. I'm going to take this to like a Bible perspective. Well, that's part of my, it's going to be part of my next question anyway. Okay. Well, I'm diving in. Um, The idea of judge not, lest you be judged. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. don't go out and judge others. But then you see somebody hurting someone and people are like, well, I'm not supposed to judge them. It's like, no, no, no. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean that you don't judge acts of evil, meaning that you call out evil as evil. Um, that's not the kind of judgment it's talking about. And I think Buffy, in a in a very interesting way, shows that same kind of lesson. Yeah. She's non-judgmental. She doesn't she doesn't show you know like favoritism toward people, and yet she learns to judge right and wrong. Right. She learns to judge actions that are evil and stand up against them. And it's it's just a very interesting interesting thing interesting yeah. parallel there. And I think another part of, another thing I love about <laughs> Buffy is uh, how and I actually read this about <laughs> a book about like Buffy and philosophy a really long time ago, but it always kind of stuck with me. Was that how she sort of she subverts like systems of of power, like she kind of over overcomes like the whole feudal system. Like, every time someone tries to claim ownership over her, she's always able to kind of overcome them. Whether it's, like, the Watcher's Council, who are supposed to be, like, the good guys. Or, like, the local government, you know? Like, the mayor being the villain in Season 3. It's a bit more epic, so she kind of has to go up against, like, the government and stuff. But at the same time, also has to kind of, like, respect the law. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another aspect that I like about her is that it, it's a very feminist idea too, is that this girl can overcome these systems of power that like try to oppress her. Um, and we'll, I'll definitely talk more about that as we talk about like our favorite episodes and stuff. Cause there's just tons of great examples of it. Um, so you're mentioning the Bible, Matt, and that's what my next question is sort of tied into. I was going to ask, uh, is there anything in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the show that appeals to your beliefs as a Christian? 
And yeah, I think that not in any way, shape, or form to be one of those people who's like, like, oh, this is a great example of Christianity. <laughs> um, like, it drives me nuts when people do that. They try and claim that this is a Christian message. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not going to claim any of that, but I do think there is a lot of a lot of interesting parallels. A lot of things about relationships, mm-hmm. how to interact with people, um, a lot on the concept of until you understand, or as some great author once put it, until you love yourself, um, you can't truly begin to love other people. Right. Um, so until she understood herself, she couldn't truly relate with her friends and stuff fully. Um, how... So self-awareness is an important aspect in, I believe, Christianity and in the show Buffy. Um, but the relationship stuff, I think, is incredible. Lots of stuff to learn about the concept of how you can be complete and you can be whole by yourself. Yeah. And yet we are also meant to be in relationship. So to understand that there's this weird paradox where I am a complete, fully developed person created the way I was meant to be on my own. Right. And yet relationship is also important and it's through relationship that I become even more, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think that's a very interesting lesson. And then obviously, I mean, the good versus evil aspect of the show is, uh, is done in a way that shows that there's a clear, there is a clear idea of what evil is. Right. But that dealing with it is not always as easy as we would like it to be. Mm-hmm. That sometimes sometimes the monsters we have to fight, um, it's not as easy as going, oh, yeah, he's the bad guy. I'm going to kill him. Right. It's like, no, sometimes it's realizing that we all play a part in what the evil is. And I have to deal with my own side of it before I can deal with the problem itself. Yeah. Um, and that's a huge a huge lesson that could be learned. That's very true because you know there there are times like I said she it, you, like I said she's uncompromising when she has to be a slayer, and he said that and she has to be that way because there is a clear idea of what's evil and what's not, and um, and that's tested because there are so many times where she's had to go up against people she really cares about. Right. You know, first it was Angel, and then it was um, I don't know. Uh, we'll skip a few. You can go to straight to Willow. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was a time she had to fight Anya, though. I don't think she's very torn up about the fact she had to fight Anya. But. <laughs> right. But I think that, yeah, that's funny. But um, but I think that a great one that shows it, season three, Faith? Yes, yes, yes. Um, that one, I think, is a great season diving into this concept that there is a clear-cut evil right. that must be defeated. Um, but that season deals a lot with her realizing that what separates us from that clear-cut evil is not always so clear-cut. Right. And I have to deal with my side of it. I have to come to terms with what I've done and come to terms with the wrongs that I've committed and how I've contributed to this mm-hmm. before I can stand up and fight. Wow. Um, so you have to face your own demons before you can go out and fight the demons. Um and to me, that's a it's a big thing because in Christianity, it's really easy to point out the speck of sawdust in somebody's eye, right. as the Bible puts it, while ignoring the plank in my own. Um, but to realize that I 
I am, I'm, I'm a failed person who has to deal with that before I can go out and fight it. Yeah. So I can't go out and fight somebody who's hurting people until I come to terms and seek forgiveness for the ways in which I've hurt people. Right. Um, and I think Buffy explores that idea, especially the character Buffy um, explores the idea of her coming to terms with the way she's messed up and realizing sometimes you can't fix it. You just have to own it and right. realize this is a fault that I've done. I can't go back and fix it, but I can stop it from happening to somebody else. Um, and hers are always a much bigger scale, but that's what it is. It's her coming to terms with how she's done things mm. so that she can go out and save the world from, from the evils that are trying to do basically same thing on a larger scale. Right. And I think that the, the faith season really shows that because, um, faith who, if you haven't seen the show, long story short, Faith is another Slayer, which isn't supposed to happen, but does due to <laughs> extreme circumstances. That's um, really that that's 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 uh, shortening it definitely, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but um, she she's kind of the mirror, the mirror image in a in a like if you if you take the sci-fi concept of like the dark mirror reflection, yeah. she's kind of the mirror image of Buffy in that she's the opposite in literally every way. Mm -hmm. um, one's blonde, one's brunette, one's, <laughs> one's good, one's evil, one's a little more quiet, the other's off the wall crazy. Yeah. Um, but she, in that season, Buffy really comes to terms with like her own struggles and what has made her her mm -hmm. in order to stop this other girl who's going the other direction and becoming something else. Yeah. Um, and it's a big, big conflict in that season. And it's interesting because it, it, the way it starts out is when, when Faith is first introduced, everyone is really impressed by her. And from, like, Angel to her friends to even her mom. And even even Giles is like, wow, she's pretty cool, <laughs> you know? Okay. And she's like, what? I Like, you've watched me, like, kill monsters and save the world, like, twice leading up to this moment and you think she's cool what's what's going on i don't understand and i thought i was doing like the right thing by like not being like that right you know? and uh so it's an interesting way to, for her to go go from there to like kind of confirming oh wow i i am better than this i think in terms of sort of like christianity and, and buffy the vampire slayer I, I think something that's always sort of stuck out to me is the idea of redemption Mm -hmm. um, you know, Angel was probably the show. Angel was actually probably more explored that more than Buffy did, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't present in Buffy. Um, uh, there are many characters who sort of wandered into the dark side and had to come back, uh, especially like later in the series. You know, when we get to like season six, when everyone starts like doing the wrong thing, <laughs> and they all have to kind of find their way back to like who they were and what they're doing. Um, I always thought I always thought Buffy and and for that for the most part Angel like explored the idea of redemption way better than anybody else did at the time. Mm -hmm. It was always sort of a really just a really great clear cut of like what the difference is like who deserves redemption and and who doesn't and what redemption actually looks like and what sort of like a cheap version of redemption looks like. An interesting character throughout the series is Spike. You know he's my mm -hmm. favorite character. He comes into the series as a villain, as one of the main villains, constantly trying to kill Buffy and her friends. And then in season four, he, the government kidnaps him and puts a chip in his head 
And, and he becomes a bumbling idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he becomes an idiot. Like he because he can't do anything. The chip, the chip doesn't allow him to hurt uh, people. And he just, he just, he doesn't. He, does, he has nothing to do anymore. And so he just hangs out with the people that he kept trying to kill. And he, they allow him, you know, to help him out and stuff. And they still kind of socialize with him. But they still know, like he's still evil. Like he, he has, he, he just has a leash on him now, you know, mm-hmm. he's not like Angel when Angel is like given a soul and he's like not evil anymore. All, like in Buffy lore, all vampires are evil because they don't have a soul. If you have a soul, you know, redemption is possible and, you know, you, you know, there's a good, what's, what's right and what's wrong. Demons don't really know. They're just sort of inherently evil and can't be redeemed. They can only like pretend to be good or so like imitate what's good, right? Am I remembering that correctly? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. And that's that's the whole thing of Spike, is like even though they kept him close, uh, you know, when they needed him, it was they, they still recognize like you're still evil, bro. <laughs> you know, like and you know, it gets interesting. We'll, we'll talk about that later. You know, but, you know yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, no. You know what I think is really interesting? And yeah. I, I don't I don't think I've ever talked to you about this, JP, so I'm I'm interested in your thoughts. I think that out of the entire series, and possibly Angel, but you know, JP, um, as much as it pains me to say, you know I have not seen all of Angel. I know, yeah. I've never never watched it. Um, Loser. However, if you really want to talk about a redemptive Mm storyline, the character... The only character that really shows it completely to me, and Buffy anyway, shows a complete storyline is Spike. Right. Because Angel, um, his soul was given to him as a curse. Right. Which is quote unquote his redemption that he's then fighting for. Mm-hmm. But it was, he was cursed with it, if right. you will. Yeah. Um, Spike is the only character who legitimately discovers redemption on his own. That's very true. He is given the chip that causes him not to be able to hurt people, but that doesn't do it. It just causes him to find another way to hurt something, which is how he becomes one of their allies because he realizes he can hurt bad guys. Um, But then he discovers in a warped, twisted way a form of love that yeah. is a hard arc in the story. That's a hard storyline to watch. That gets really dark. Yeah, it really but, does. Um, however, he somehow begins to discover a desire for redemption on his own. Right. And that's something that I think is it's an interesting arc that's unique to him. Right. That he he's not cursed with something that then causes him on the path of redemption. He, he actually stumbles upon it and finds it. Yeah, and you know it's it's so it's it, the most it's the, it's the most oh god I love talking about Spike he's my favorite character I could we could do a whole episode on Spike Matt um, why I love Spike so much and what is so fascinating about him getting his soul back and stuff you know actually a lot of fans I remember what happened a lot of fans hated it um, but the reason behind it it was because he he fell in love with Buffy. And then Buffy was like, there's no way you can love me. You're evil. He's like, no, no, I feel it. I do love you. And, like, that's that's actually Spike's character since, like, he mm-hmm. first shows up. He has to be loved. Right. That That is who Spike is. He And he wears it on his sleeve. I mean, there, it's one of his greatest quotes is, like, 
I might be love's bitch, but at least I'm man enough to admit it. <laughs> and like, that's like his whole thing is like, he can only define himself within a relationship. Um, that's why he has Drusilla with him all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Drusilla, who is sort of like his paramour and he's in the second season, they were both the villains. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just now noticing, like, I'm going to throw out names and people are going to be like, who's Drusilla? I don't get it. Yeah, we've not <laughs> talked about her at all, but okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's the whole thing. That's I mean, Spike's basically his biggest flaw, which is that he has to be loved, is what leads right, him which, to finding his soul. Right, which to me, though, goes back to our previous conversation about how Spike's fault is that if you remove the the cheesy supernatural aspect of the show and get to the actual message behind the show, yeah. Spike's fault is that he does not realize he is complete without relationship. Right. He he feels he needs somebody else in order to be complete, um, and his character has to journey to the point where he realizes, I have to I have to be a complete person. Before right. I can seek something else, I have to. He has to come to terms with who he is and find his, in the show, in the in the story of the show, find his soul, before he can, he can know what it is to be a relationship with anybody. And also to be um, to to be a hero finally, right? Because he doesn't really become like a hero hero until season seven, after he gets his soul and stuff, and then he makes the spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're just going to do spoilers. I don't care. Um, you know, season seven, he's, he's, he sacrifices himself. He's basically the one that ends up saving the world. Yes. Which by the way, um, major spoiler alert, because you are led to believe throughout the entire show that the only person that can possibly make that sacrifice is angel. Right. Um, until, Oh, spike steps in and becomes the hero. And I, I love their final moments. It's so heartbreaking because like it's, it starts happening. Like he has this amulet and it's like burning all these vampires and you could tell, like, oh, this is probably going to kill him. And then Buffy comes up to him, and she's like, and she tells him, you know, I love you. And he's like, no, you don't, but thanks for saying it. <laughs> and then his last words is like, you know, get out of here. I want to see how it ends. And, like, he, then he dies, and it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Spike. Oh, God, I love Spike. I love him so much. Greatest character ever. 